welcome to the AccuSprout Podcast, where it's my mission to help new practitioners of Chinese medicine navigate from school to career. I'm Stacy. I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist, podcaster, coach, and creator of Magical Networks. Be sure to check out all four pillars of the podcast where I cover case studies to sharpen your clinical skills, Mindset Mondays to support your mental health, new practitioner interviews to prove that you are not alone, and all things business from launching your practice to negotiating your pay if you choose to be an employee. This podcast is made possible by our sponsors. So if you would like to support the podcast, be sure to check out the sponsors page on the website to claim your special AccuSprout offers. When I first started my practice, I was actually kind of a disaster when it came to my books. I hired an accountant who actually laundered money from another client. So I went on a quest to find a bookkeeper who really tailors to and loves working with acupuncturists. And I found Sarah at Horizon West Bookkeeping, and I'm feeling pretty fortunate. Sarah offers acupuncturists and the AccuSprout community a couple different packages so that she can meet you where you are. If you're new to practice, she can come in and do what's called a QuickBooks startup package for you, where you get pretty deep discounts on QuickBooks for about four months. She sets up your chart of accounts, assists with linking your bank accounts, makes sure that all the transactions are imported, and then teaches you how to use it with two hours of one-on-one training. It's a killer deal. She also offers cleanup packages and catch-up packages. Not catch-up packages, guys. Catch-up packages. And a monthly package, which is what I use. And I find it quite affordable and so, so, so worth it because, honestly, I never, since the beginning, have been able to keep up with my bookkeeping. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with Sarah to make sure that you guys are the right fit for each other. And you can do that at horizonwestbookkeeping.com forward slash AccuSprout or look for the link in the show notes. Today's episode is also sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your acupuncture practice. Jane offers flexible scheduling options that match the way you work. You have the option of offering one-on-one online sessions for initial consults, meeting in person, and scheduling staggered appointments to accommodate treating patients across different treatment rooms. Jane has you covered. Keep the relaxation going with a seamless checkout experience using Jane's PCI-compliant payment solution, Jane Payments. You can collect patient credit cards securely through your intake form or at the time of booking with an online booking payment policy. This can also help reduce no-shows in your practice. It's a win-win. And Jane's unlimited SMS and email reminders can be sent automatically before each appointment as an extra layer of no-show protection. To learn more about how Jane's helpful features can help you power your acupuncture practice, head to jane.app to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their team. Or if you're ready to get started, head on over to accusprout.com forward slash Jane. And remember to use the code accusprout1mo at the time of sign up to get a one-month grace period applied to your new account. And so my job all day was to eat ice cream and come up with new flavors. And then we had a contract with Trader Joe's. Do you know that one, Stacey? Uh, Yeah, I love Trader Joe's. So we had a contract. So any flavor that I made for Trader Joe's, I got a huge bonus. And I made quite a few good flavors, and then Trader Joe's picked them up. So there I was in San Francisco. I had this job where I was eating ice cream all day. I had a cool apartment with a really good friend of mine. 
I had a hot girlfriend. My commute was just a few blocks in San Francisco on my bike. A lot of like music, parties and things like that. Basically anything you can imagine for a guy in his early 20s to have, I had going for me. Stacy, do you think I was happy or unhappy with that situation? I think most people would be superficially happy, perhaps. Like, this is the perfect situation, right? Even superficially, I was really unhappy, and I just could not figure it out. It was so confusing to me because basically anything I could think of, I got. I think if I had a job I hated or didn't have a girlfriend or whatever, I think I, I blame my unhappiness on that. But anything I could think of, I got just all at once, immediately. Everyone, welcome back to the AccuSprout podcast. Today, I have a guest whom I'm really excited to chat with. I was introduced to Toby Daly five or six years ago. Now, I was in his first class, his first Saam class, and Toby is here today with us to talk about a couple of things. One of them being a case study that we're going to go through, and another being a new book that he's just about ready to release. But more importantly, what I really love about Toby is his intro to the medicine story, which is incredibly fascinating. So I'm sure we're going to get to talk about that as well. So good morning, Toby. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Stacey. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Anything specific, Stacey, you want me to tell them? Yeah, let's see here. Let's start with how did you get into the medicine? Okay, sure. Let me start back kind of the beginning on that. So my undergraduate degree is food science. And so when I graduated from college, I had that perfect job. I'm originally from San Francisco, so I moved back to San Francisco. And my job was making new ice cream flavors for double rainbow ice cream. And so my job all day was to eat ice cream and come up with new flavors. And then we had a contract with Trader Joe's. Do you know that one, Stacey? Uh, Yeah, I love Trader Joe's. So we had a contract. So any flavor that I made for Trader Joe's, I got a huge bonus and I'd made quite a few good flavors and then Trader Joe's picked them up. So there I was in San Francisco. I had this job where I was eating ice cream all day. I had a cool apartment with a really good friend of mine. I had a hot girlfriend. My commute was just a few blocks in San Francisco on my bike. A lot of like music, parties and things like that. Basically, anything you can imagine for a guy in his early 20s to have, I had going for me. Stacy, do you think I was happy or unhappy with that situation? I think most people would be superficially happy, perhaps. Like, this is the perfect situation, right? Even superficially, I was really unhappy, and I just could not figure it out. It was so confusing to me because basically anything I could think of, I got. I think if I had a job I hated or didn't have a girlfriend or whatever, I think I I blame my unhappiness on that. But anything I could think of, I got just all at once immediately. So that was very confusing for me. And I'd say to friends of mine, I'm just really unhappy. And they're like, oh, let's go to another concert tonight. You know, I was like, last time we went, we, we saw Pearl Jam. I felt horrible. It just kind of went on for a little while. And then I was so unhappy. I felt just so lost. I thought I would just go get lost on the outside. And so I had plenty of money and I'd been on a trip to Europe before and I met some people that were going to India and I just thought, that's cool. That would just follow that in the back of my mind. So here I was, tons of money, just lost. And I thought I would just get lost. So I thought I can do a trip for three months, maybe six months or something like that. Ultimately, it ended up being two years because exchange rate and things in Asia, I could just maybe still be there or something. So I was just wandering around Asia, 
And I would go to the Taj Mahal and be like, hmm. And then go walking through the Himalayas and to Everest Base Camp and just be like, well, there's Mount Everest, the biggest mountain in the world. Mm. And just kind of shrugging it off. So we're just kind of miserable and wandering around Asia. My plan of matching lost on the inside with lost on the outside wasn't really working. You know, I just was really unhappy, really sick at that point too. Diarrhea for maybe six months. So you can see me now on video. I'm about 200 pounds, six foot four. And at that point, I was like 60 pounds less than this, about 140. So just skeletal. You got a picture of long, red, curly hair and big beard and just wandering around Asia. Can I ask you something real quick? Anything. I don't know. I've been unhappy in my life before and I didn't know why. And I I went into like spirals of what's wrong with me instead of, you know, that beautiful saying, if a flower doesn't bloom, you don't blame the flower. You take a look at what's surrounding the flower. So how did you feel? You were obviously feeling lost. Tell me what you think, what you felt then. I was just really confused, right? I wasn't sure what I was doing here. I just had no clue about anything. Again, at that point in my life, I still, a little bit with your flower metaphor, I like that so much, but I was thinking, gosh, if you could just get everything around the flower in good shape, then the flower will just be fine. But I had no concept of the inside, right? Later on, I learned about this, that the inside is 100% of the story, the universe inside each of us. That's 100% of the story. And the outside interacts with that universe, but the internal universe is the most important. But I, I had no concept about that at that point. I, I was really kind of dying and just wandering around Asia at that point. Wow. Okay. Then what happened? At this point, I'm in northern India and I'm on my way up to Kashmir. And so I usually I'm traveling rough in a bus and there's a Korean monk there sitting a few seats away from me. And this is a real rough ride because we're basically climbing up through in the Himalayas. So it's like a three-day bus ride, everyone in the same bus. And so I just started chatting with him. And I never felt like such a deep kinship with somebody before, right? That is a complete stranger. And I just felt so warmly towards him. And here I am just so lost, wandering around, everything like that. It was a really uh, amazing uh, experience. So we ended up traveling together for the next six weeks. And he keeps saying to me, you know, you're not doing very well. Obviously, I'm running to the bathroom all the time and skeletal. And he says, I've got some acupuncture needles with me. I'd love to try and help you. And I refused it because in my mind, right, science background, my grandfather's a medical doctor. I thought, these pieces of metal with no medicine going through them, that can't do anything for me. Eventually, this is what I came to. I thought, he's such a nice man. This might hurt me a little bit. It's not going to do anything for me. He'll feel better if he gives me this acupuncture that he really wants to give me. He's so nice and I want him to feel better. So that's, that was my going into my first acupuncture treatment. I'll do it for him. So I lay down from your experience with the sound system, just four points. I laid there for 20 minutes, got up, and then I had a full meal and three desserts, which I hadn't been able to do for months. <laughs> so you don't need like a PowerPoint presentation on Chinese medicine for that kind of thing, right? I, I experienced it in a dramatic shift in my body. So then, yeah, he started teaching me, and then it's a long story from there. But that was how I got introduced to the medicine. Not just skeptical, but like actually hostile to the medicine a little bit. Such a kind man offering to help me. And I was like, okay, yeah, for you, I guess I'll do it. I try to tell people this all the time, too. Even if you're not going to let somebody help you because you think you don't need help, let them help you because it's a gift to them. (laughs) 
So apparently you were thinking along the same lines. Yes, but I needed so much help, Stacey. I was kind of dying and body, mind and spirit were not good. So I needed help. Yeah, I'm curious. You said that you were riding with him and you spent time with him. What did you talk about? You said he talked about a lot. What did he talk about? Yeah, he talked about all kinds of things. He's a wandering monk, so he has got great stories of all the interesting things he's done. The practitioner for this, his name Sa'am. It means someone who lives in like a rocky cliff. They basically have nothing, uh, no money, nothing. They just wander around and help people. And so he told me a lot of really interesting stories. He'd been all over around the world doing this, just helping people. Before he came to India, he was just in Iran, and he was talking about how he fell in with a couple of cardiologists there and that they were having problems with their patients. And then he came into their cardiology thing, was helping them with that. You know, anyway, he had, he had some great stories. That's amazing. So then you started feeling better and... Instantly. Then you decided to, to learn Sa'am. No. I had no ambitions at that point at all. I was just kind of waking up. So I thought that's amazing what he did. Right. I thought that is so amazing. He's got all those skills and he does all that thing. And he was teaching me some at the time, but I wasn't, uh, especially at that point, I was just so dull. I wasn't understanding. He was kind of laying a foundation for me. I had no clue, but he was laying foundation. And then about a year after I met him, then it suddenly dawned on me. It took a really long time, a lot more hard traveling for that to kind of sink in that he'd planted quite a few seeds and they were starting to sprout. Great analogy, by the way. It really felt like that, though, right? Not as a metaphor. It really felt like that. It felt like something happened to me. And then later on, I was taken over with it. Did he know he was planting those seeds when he did it? <laughs> yes. Yes. For this tradition, for the Sam tradition, when my teacher came to the monastery, the first day he was there, his ultimate teacher said, I'll teach that one. So this is how this tradition's always passed on. The teacher chooses the student. Uh, so he knew. That's very exciting. That's very cool. And then decades later, now that I'm realizing that, yeah, he really could foresee quite a bit, then that I had no clue about. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the wandering monks, because this feels very mystical to me because I've not sadly traveled and I'm not enriched in Eastern culture at all. So tell me a little bit more about the wandering monks. Yeah, I just know a little bit about just from my teacher, but they mm -hmm. get up every morning about 3 a.m., 4 a.m. if they sleep in, clap their hands, pray, and say, sentient beings are numberless. I vow to help them all. And then goes out and does it all day long. So that's just what they do. They don't seem to sleep either. When my teacher was staying here at my house, I would go to bed and he'd be up. I get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. He'd be up. I get up really early in the morning. He'd be up. So it's a, I have a hard time relating to these monks too with significant attainment, right? I have a hard time uh, relating to that too. So how did you end up studying with him then? How did this come about? Those six weeks, right? He really planted a lot of seeds and then he gave me his contact information. And so then a year later, when I really started to realize, oh, this is what I need to do. I went to Chinese medical school, was in contact with him. And he's a Korean Buddhist monk. And so I was able to contact him when he was back at his temple in Korea and then make arrangements. And then I studied with him in Korea and then he's come to the U.S. a couple of times and studied with him that way. And so you came back and you went to Chinese medical school. So when did it click that you were going to do this thing? Yeah, I just always thought it was like a little side thing that I was going to do. I had this exact conversation with him. I said, I understand this is a secret monastic tradition, right? I, I won't share this with anybody. 
I, I just had no clue about anything. So my teacher leaned into me and he said, is suffering secret? So he asked me if I ever had the opportunity, please share this tradition. And so in my mind, I thought, okay, yeah, when I'm 70, for sure, I'll take on a student or two and I'll pass this on. He, he saved my life, gave me something to do with it. That's the only thing he ever asked me to. And just real casually, like, oh, you know, if there's ever opportunity. So he, you said that he treated you and then it didn't dawn on you to actually formally learn it for about a year. So what happened to prompt you to go to Chinese medical school? Yeah, so a year after that, I went from India to Pakistan to Burma. And then I came back home really briefly. And then I visited somebody I met in Canada. And when I was in Canada, suddenly I realized, oh, maybe I could do that. So I immediately started researching what to do. And I met, his name's Toling Jennings. He's a famous acupressurist, Taoist guy in Canada. And he said, yeah, you should go back to the Bay Area. They've got great schools there. So it took a year, but then as soon as it clicked, I just I just went and came back and then immediately enrolled. I ended up going to the San Francisco school that actually just recently closed. So let's turn a corner now. And now I'm curious. I was in your first class. And Sorry about that. And I feel that. really honored to have been in that class. No, I feel really honored to be in that class because I was thinking about you this morning I'm getting bizarrely teary about this, but I'm, I was thinking about you this morning and how incredibly brave you were to teach that class. So as a little bit of background to my listeners, Toby's kind of a uh, reserved, quiet guy. I'm sure that you can tell that in his voice, but also had a, maybe still does, but had a huge fear of public speaking. He was looking physically ill in front of us because he was so afraid. Talk about sitting in a classroom where you just feel so much compassion and love for somebody that you want to see them succeed and get through the whole situation. I'm so inspired by it. Honestly, that class was so hard for you, but you did a great job. Honestly, as soon as you started talking, you were fine. You transmitted information. You did a great job. Everything was clear but you just had to get started talking. So thank you for that. I feel really privileged to have been in that class, and I'm glad that I was. Susie, I was vomiting in the bushes outside just before that class. And other feedback I've gotten from that class is that everyone said, you talk so fast, we could barely understand it, because I just wanted that weekend to be over. So I thought, <laughs> if I talk fast, <laughs> we would go quicker. Is it better? It, yeah, I mean, it, it can't get worse than that, Stacey. I don't think it can get worse than that. I remember one day you were in the middle of lecturing and you were like, we're going to take a break. I need to go lay down. <laughs> but it, I didn't feel like I was losing anything. I didn't feel like this is the worst class I've ever been in. I felt like I learned a ton. I thought it was a great class and I didn't think you talked too fast. Yeah. So I want to say this for new practitioners. This is where I want to go with this. As a new practitioner, we have to do so many things that we are so afraid of. And watching Toby go through this because he has so much passion for teaching this technique and so much dedication to the lineage of it that he was willing to throw up in the bushes outside before he started lecturing. I'm just totally inspired by that. And I'm really grateful. So that's what I want to say about that class. Thanks so much for saying that, Stacey. Can I say something else to the new practitioners too? I, I really empathize with being a new practitioner. Yes, please do. This is the worst possible time to be a Chinese medicine practitioner when you're just starting. You've got school debt and no patients. It's the worst possible thing. But 
this is far and away, this is the best job in the world. So if you just hang in there, this gets better and better and you get more clinical experience and more patients and then you start having new problems and you have too many patients. So I really empathize with the new practitioners because I feel that still so deeply. When I got my first office, it was a one room with a bathroom down the hall. And when my landlord came to give me the key, he said, do you think anybody will come? And I'll remember that for the rest of my life, that feeling as he handed me the key and said, do you think anybody will come? And I was like, I don't know. Have I made the worst mistake I've ever made in my life? It ended up being the best. Now, I'm you know, 20 years later, a practitioner, it's fantastic. But there's no way to start 20 years into your career. You have to start at zero when I first got that key. And I just empathize with that so deeply. But it's the worst time to be a practitioner as a brand new practitioner, but it just gets better, better, better. And then as you get older, very few professions are like this. As you get older, you become much, much more valuable. It is hard. It is hard. And it's easy to get freaked out and stop. And so that's really where I want to just continue to be a presence. I can't even imagine if somebody would have handed the keys to me and said that to me. I would have been like, not helpful. <laughs> that is not a helpful statement. No, but I, I agree with them. You know, that was the problem. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's going to come. <laughs> okay. So before we talk about Sa'am and the case study, let's talk a little bit about your teachings now, because you're teaching this and now I see you everywhere. Specifically, I know that you're teaching with the doctoral program at ACCHS mm -hmm. and I see you at White Pine. I see you with Geological. And so you're really, really out there sharing this. Is there anywhere else that I have not mentioned? Network of knowledge? Uh, yeah, net, net of knowledge there. But also, it was really rewarding. I gave a couple lectures to the Integrative Veterinary Alliance or something like that. So it was really rewarding because Buddhist tradition, right, to help all sentient beings. But I don't know anything about helping animals. So I was able to present the some strategies for them. And then they're integrating that into helping animals now. So that was really rewarding to do that with the vets. You know, there were two vets in the first class with me. Yes. They're the one who recommended to that association that I come and give a talk. That's exciting. That's cool. So why don't you walk us a little bit through Sa'am and then we'll do the case review. Okay. Stacey, do you remember from your training six years ago about Sa'am, the fundamentals? Yeah. No. I'm going to say no. Okay. For the Sa'am system, everything that we do, we look through three lenses for it. Yin-yang five-phase, and six-confirmation. So each one of those lenses gets equal weight in the SOM system. The whole system is integrated with all three lenses. We do every aspect of the system with those three lenses. Okay, so yin-yang, five phases, six confirmations, four needles. Great, yes. That's the crux of the system. If we could say four things about it is the three lenses and then the treatment combination. So yes, perfect. Well, let's dive a little deeper into that. Do you want to just do the case study and then you can kind of teach through that lens of how Sa'am works through the case study? Let's do one organ using those three lenses and then we'll do the case study. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, good. So for example, let's take liver. So we know it's a yin organ, so it's going to have yin nature. And then we know it's a wood phase, so it's going to have wood phase nature. And we know the confirmation is Jui Yin. In the class, we build this up using the Yijing and Neijing and Nanjing concepts. We build this all up. But just really quickly, right, 
remember that the wood phase has to do with wind and wood itself. There's a density there. Wood has a real density. And then Dreying conformation, that has to do with a kind of a gentle breeze. So when we look at the liver using the psalm system, all three of these lenses, this ends up being like a dark, cool forest with a little bit of gentle breeze in it because of the yin nature, the wood nature, and the overall coolness, that little cool breeze that comes in there. So for the psalm system in the macrocosm, we think about liver manifesting as a redwood forest with the cool mist in it. And then inside the body, we see a lot of density, a lot of coolness, and a lot of shielding. That person is locked into themselves because of those three lenses. So the same with all the other 11 organ systems, the qualities that they have, their yin-yang, five-phase, and six-confirmation qualities, they all manifest completely for the psalm system for our diagnosis and treatment. I remember you describing each one of them and kind of giving us a picture of how to determine what the overall constitution was of the person. I remember you telling us about that, that the liver was a cool forest and that kidneys, there was something about kidney being really cold. Am I wrong? Am I right about that? You're right to remember that because what's the phase for kidney is water. So that's where we get that cold water nature. And then the confirmation for kidney is Xiaoyin and that's fire. So kidney is fire and water for the psalm system. And then since it's a yin organ system, fire and water are both consolidated really well. Yeah, I remember this. But I guess where I felt like it was a little different, and I'm maybe on a tangent here, is that when you see somebody who's got a liver young rising like headache, that person is not exactly cool, calm forest with a gentle breeze. Or is that the imbalance of liver? Right, that, that's the imbalance, right? And if that's imbalance, then you would see those type of qualities. For the psalm system, also, we have a little bit unique thing. We should say this probably before we get to our case study, too. It's all basically from Neijing, Nanjing, and Yijing. Suwen, I believe, chapter 24, it pairs up the confirmations. And so, Jue Yin it is paired with Xiaoyang in Suwen 24. So, this liver is paired with San Zhao in the psalm system. And San Zhao is the opposite, right? It's a Yang organ. It's fire phase. And Xiaoyang also has a fire nature and outward fire nature. So you can see it's total opposite of liver. So for the psalm system, we pair liver and san jiao, the opposite nature. So exactly what you're talking about with that liver yang rising, just too much fire and brightness in the body. That would be a deficiency of liver and excess of san jiao. Yes, I remember this. For people who are listening, I'm really rusty at this. It's been many years. And it sounds a little bit confusing, I'm sure, to new people. But the principles are just based on things that we've already learned and then putting them together in this way that seems new that obviously is very old makes sense pretty quickly. Like when I was finished with that first class, I had a pretty good foundation with which to go and treat people. So I just wanted to add that in there. I agree with you. Yeah, it really is a very simple system because it's for monks, right? Monks have their full-time job, all their monk responsibilities. So this is like their hobby. So it's a, a very simple system, but the application of it sometimes can be a little bit difficult. But understanding the basic concept of really easy, especially if you already have a background in Chinese medicine, you already know yin-yang, you already know five-phase, you already know six-confirmation, you just put those together and then that's the system. And then the other aspect of it that I found super helpful in clinic is that 
it's literally four needles. Like once you have your diagnosis, it's simple, right? You're not doing 17 orthopedic tests and going after motor points or doing all of these things that take up so much time. It's really pretty quick after you get that first diagnosis. So I did appreciate that for sure. Anything else? How are we doing, Stacey? I feel like I'm taking you a lot of different directions. Is it really okay? Yes, things are great. You're doing a great job. I feel like we're being pretty clear about how things go. So let's just go ahead and why don't you tell us a little bit about our case study? Okay. So this is a case that I presented at ACCHS. That was just two weeks ago or so. So this will give everyone a little bit of taste of what it's like to be in that doctorate program. So the case is a 17-year-old male. His pulse is very thin and weak bilaterally. COVID time, so everyone's masked, so I didn't look at his tongue. His face is ashen and pale. His face has got some really good symmetry. The skin on his face is slightly dry, and he's got quite a bit of acne. Body type, he's extremely lean. And then when I palpate his body, his skin is slightly moist. For the psalm system, we use UN chapter 52, I believe, where they assign the left side of the body to the liver and the right side of the body to the lung. And so for the psalm system, when we assess this, we check right along the hypochondriac region, just at the edge of the ribs. So when I did that, when I assessed his abdomen, the left and right hypochondriac regions were both really tight. So that that will play into our diagnosis. And then also for the psalm system, between the sternum and the umbilicus, along that midline, about an inch or so wide, And when we palpate that, that gives us some diagnostic information too. So when I palpate that midline, I found that midline warm and tight. So hopefully you have a little picture of what he looks like in your mind. Then why he came in to see me. He's got an inflammatory bowel disease for the last four years. There was no known trigger. I should really emphasize that too. For the SOM system and then maybe just diagnosis in general, I think it's always helpful for Chinese medicine, you know, that bingji, the disease trigger, what started the whole process is sometimes really helpful for us to figure out. For him, he wasn't able to come up with it, but I always try and I'm always trying to elicit that from the patient. You know, what was going on with you right when that happened? For this case, nothing that he could point to. So he has really poor appetite. He's got incredible sweet cravings and he has diarrhea up to 12 times a day. And that's frequently like five or six days a week. He's got that 12 times a day diarrhea and he's got abdominal cramping 24-7. He goes to sleep with it. If he wakes in the night, he's got cramping. And first thing in the morning, he's got cramping. And then this abdominal cramping will seize up several times a day and he'll be doubled over with the abdominal cramping. Respiratory things, he gets frequent coughs. He easily catches cold and he has asthma. Energy-wise, he says he's just got deep fatigue, and you can really see it in his face, posture, and everything. Like, he's exhausted. He does have a hard time staying asleep. Sometimes the abdominal pain will wake him up. I noticed the acne on his face and then asked him anywhere else, and then he showed me on his back, too. He's got quite a bit of acne on his back as well. Medications he's taking, prednisone and Humira, they're both not really doing anything, and he's on pretty high doses of both. And this is the, one of the reasons his mom sent him in to see me. You may be familiar with Humira as an immunosuppressive. That gives you more likelihood to get infections and actually cancer, too. He gets headaches frequently all over his head, and he says his muscles are weak. His calprotectin score, I had to look this up. I forgot what this was, but this is like a measure of the inflammation in the digestive system. For his calprotectin score, which he'd done six months prior, was 
1,200 micrograms per milligram. So that's 1,200 micrograms per milligram. The normal range for that's 5 to 200. So he's off the charts with inflammation in his digestive system. That's like the key parts of this case. Can you see him in your mind, Stacey? Yeah. Can I ask you, so with Sa'am, do you go through and do basically the same 10 questions interview that you would with TCM? No. Usually I'm looking for something specific. Again, I'm trying to evaluate, like we talked before about liver and Sanjiao, is this patient really closed and dense or open and bright? I'm looking for the, the Sa'am qualities from those three lenses. So usually I'm asking some more specific things for that. What might be helpful now that we have the case, let's go back through the case. And I'll show you what parts of the case are really catching my attention and going to pull me a certain direction. Perfect. Good. Yeah, let's do that. So the SOM system, a lot of times, my teacher, he would never check pulse or tongue or anything like that. It's pure observation and interacting with the patient, just getting a feel for the patient. So let's skip the pulse part for this. When we see this pale ashen face, what does that tell you, Stacey, in Chinese medicine? blood deficiency or chi deficiency, not enough energy to take the blood up. Yeah, for sure. So we can see that right away with this phase. For the symmetry, for the psalm system, we feel like this is a manifestation of the kidney energy. Remember what we were talking about before, that fire and water that's consolidated? If the fire and water is consolidated well in our bodies, then we get real beautiful. We get symmetry. We're really attractive when we have this. And then he has a good bone structure and things like this, but also he's 17. So he's got tons of this kidney energy as well. For the Psalm system, we're always checking for the, like we were talking about before, the yin-yang nature of the body, and we're always trying to figure out it's on the inside or the outside. So he's got some slight dryness on the outside of his body. That's important for us in the Psalm system. But he has some acne there, which is usually, for Chinese medicine, we think of like some type of dampness or something like that there, maybe some damp and some heat, but definitely some dampness there. So we think the outside of his body has slight dryness, but definitely some damp. And then when we look at his body, extremely lean. He was a real skeletal. You can imagine four years of 12 times a day diarrhea. So extremely like just skeleton level. So for the psalm system, we think that he's extremely dry on the inside, right? He doesn't have that no padding, no moisture in his body. And then when I palpated his skin, the rest of his body was moist. So for the psalm system, this is a really important pattern for us with the skin's moist like this and the body's really dry on the inside, it's a pattern for us called dry on the inside and damp on the outside. Okay? Yep, I remember this. Okay, good. Yeah, good memory, Stacey. And then remember when I palpated his abdomen. This is what I was telling you before about that lung is responsible for things on the right. Let's skip everything else, but especially that tightness along the right hypochondriac region when I palpate. It's extremely tight like that. That points me to something maybe going on with the lung in the psalm system. And that comes from the Suen, you said? You could double check that. I believe that's Suen 52. And it's like liver generates life on the left and lung does something on the right. I forget exactly where they put organs on sides of the body. The psalm system, yeah, that's an important marker for us. Okay. And then the chief complaint with all this diarrhea, right? For Chinese medicine, we consider that damp quality, right? So we're seeing a mixed quality here, dry on the inside, plus moist because all the diarrhea, and then plus moist on the skin. And then this is already interesting for us too, right? So we definitely have GI things, but then also we have respiratory things going on. He gets these frequent coughs, he easily catches cold, and he has asthma. So that's really important for us for the SOM system. This is like we were saying before about different things are paired. So for the SOM system, 
We also pair Yang Ming and Tai Yin, and this is a stomach-lung dynamic. So we can see definitely stomach problems and some lung problems as well. So as we go a little bit further here, catching this, we're starting to look at these patterns. And then energy, deep fatigue, so he's going to need qi. For the SAM system, we consider the digestive system as adding qi to the body. But even more important, we follow some of the Suwen recommendations, that respiratory nature, right? We eat one, maybe three times a day but we're breathing every few seconds. So this is a great way when someone has fatigue that we can supplement the lungs so they can really bring up the cheek quickly. Difficulty staying asleep, this is because of all that abdominal cramping. If we can take care of all that abdominal cramping, then he'll sleep fine. And then dermatologically, right, we have that acne again, so showing some more dampness in his body when it's on his back as well. And then medications like this, right, this is significant, prednisone and Humira, when someone's taking really intense medications like this and basically having no effect, that makes me really concerned. Like maybe they're looking at the wrong place for the problem, right? They're really trying to suppress this, but it may be coming from somewhere else. So that always triggers for me. If it's simple and medications can take care of it, that's great. But if they're trying, th this is often a clue for me to look somewhere else. This is definitely a digestive system problem, but where else might it be coming from? And then this calprotectin score off the charts, we sort of already knew that. So, Stacy, does that make sense? Now, we're looking between the lung and the stomach dynamic because of all these wet, dry parts. Let's talk about the lung and the stomach, three lenses, and that will maybe help us. What do you think, Stacy? Yes, that sounds great. I remember going through cases in class with you, and we did this, listed all the symptoms, and then took each symptom and decided if it was yang, ming, tie-in, if it was lung, spleen, we broke it all down each different ones so that we could get a clear picture on where exactly we needed to go. So I find this helpful that you're going through it like this. Okay, great. Thank you. So let's look at the lung and stomach and why as a SOM practitioner, I'm thinking about those two channels, right? So lung itself, we know obviously yin and it's metal and metal is associated with dryness and it's tie-in and that's associated with dampness. That's why I was saying before, Oh, when we see this wet and dry patterns, it's great to use one of our wet-dry pattern organs that might be responsible for that. And so Taiyin is paired with Yang Ming, so in this case, the stomach. And so when we look at stomach, obviously, uh, Yang organ, and then it's earth that has to do with dampness, and then Yang Ming itself has to do with dryness. So again, this is a wet-dry part. This is an important part of the system, but I realize there's a lot of information. But anyways, so for the SOM system, we recognize that the confirmation is going to manifest a little bit deeper in the body than the phase. Say that again. The confirmation is going to manifest deeper in the body than the phase. The phase is going to manifest on the surface of the body, and the confirmation is going to manifest deeper in the body. So maybe example, make it a little bit more clear. So for the lung, since it's tie-in, that is going to manifest deep inside the body, that dampness. And the metal, the phase, is going to manifest more on the outside as dryness. So when the lung is in excess, there'll be a lot of damp on the inside and a lot of dryness on the outside. Exact opposite for stomach, because the earth dampness is going to manifest on the outside and the yang ming dryness is going to manifest on the inside. Tell me why again. This is the beginner brain. Why does the confirmation manifest? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer why confirmation would, but it does. Yeah, that's where I was stuck. Thank you for being like, I don't know. Great. Okay. Well, we can just know that then. That's perfect. When I was with my teacher, he just said confirmation manifests deeper. 
and the phase on the surface. But I just took that at the time. But the nice thing is, it's not like philosophy or something like that, Stacey, right? We have to apply this. So I've taken this concept and applied it. We have a concept in Buddhism to the historical Buddhist that gave some teaching or something like that. And people said, well, I don't know. He's like, oh, good. Don't believe me. Try it in your own lives and then see if it works. Then you can believe it, but don't believe it just because I said it, right? You know, to really do it. So my teacher as a Buddhist monk, he would say that kind of thing. But so for me now, I'm confident. Confirmation manifests deeper in the body and the phase on the surface. Perfect. Okay. I got it. Now you're right. It's about practice. Yeah, it's about practice. And again, it's about combining things that we don't usually combine too. So let's look at our case that we have here now. So skeletal on the inside and moist on the outside. Do you follow that? Yes. So for the psalm system, that means stomach excess because he's way too dry on the inside and moist on the outside. Yes. So when there's a stomach excess, then we want to go to that counterbalance pair, which in this case is the lung, because we want to put a whole bunch of moisture inside his body and dry a little bit on the outside of his body. Okay? This is what I find fascinating about this style. Okay, so I'm still with you. Okay, that's what we did. But how did you do it? You used four needles. What did you do? I mean, I feel like we're risk of taxing your audience's brain and things like this. But do you want to talk about the four needles? I think you should just say what the four needles are, and then we'll just leave it there, right? Yeah, they can look up Nanjing for the reasons, for the 69, 75, difficulty 69, difficulty 75, the logic behind these. So we were talking about before that the lung manifests on the right side of the body. So I put these needles on the left side of the body based on Suen 5, which always says, if there's a problem on the yin, then treat the yang. If there's a problem on the yang, treat the yin. We always contralateral put everything in. So I put all these four points on the left side of his body. I put lung 9, I supplemented that. Lung 10, I drained. Heart 8, I drained. And spleen 3, I supplemented all on the left side. Why don't you start to tell me why you chose those points? And we'll see if that just is too much. Okay, right. So we want a yin metal, right? That's what lung is, yin metal. So we want that quality. So then we go to lung nine. This is the earth point. So we want to supplement this earth point to make metal on the metal channel because we really want this yin metal, right? Then we go to the fire point on the metal channel and we drain that because we don't want any fire on that metal. We really want metal now, right? Okay. Now we've generated the mother of metal and we've taken off the check on metal on the channel that we're interested in. Then we go to the fire point on the fire channel, the yin fire channel, in this case, heart. And we go to the fire point there. So we drain that a little bit like we did with lung 10. We took the fire off the metal, but now we're taking the fire point off the fire channel to really pull that off. But now we've taken the check off on the channel itself and we've taken the check off on the system itself, the whole channel system. This is what you and I started talking about before. This is a really powerful way of working with the body. And it's a little bit dangerous if it's wrong, but amazing if it works well. Then the final one we do, we go to the earth point on the yin earth channel, that's spleen three, and we supplement that. So again, we've got the mother, we're helping that with lung nine by supplementing it, and spleen three, we're helping it. And then we're taking off the checks by draining heart eight and lung 10. See, You were afraid of telling the listeners about that. And actually, that's the thing that made the most sense to me of anything so far today. So I find the system really kind of poetic, isn't it? Yeah, I find it beautiful. 
So simple. Yeah, so simple. So simple. But it's powerful because you're not harmonizing anything. You're not putting a little point in to help with maybe this or pointing with that. I think about this like you're going to the casino, you're taking all your chips and putting them on this one bet. So if you're right, then you win big. But if you're wrong, you can cause significant problems for the body. A lot of the students, they said, oh, you can't harm anybody with acupuncture. That's just not true. If you're using this system, you can definitely harm people. Because let's say you didn't need those four points we just put in, right? It's going to make moisture on the inside and dry on the outside. But let's say he was grossly overweight with dry skin. You're going to really harm him because he's already too wet. You're going to dump a whole bunch of water more on him. And he's already too dry on the outside. And you're going to dry more. So it has to be correct. Stacy, is being a clinician a risk-free profession? You know, I was a massage therapist before I was a practitioner, and it's the thing that keeps me awake. It's the thing that stresses me out the most in my life now is this responsibility. I probably overthink a lot, but also I think that's okay. So yes, this is very risky profession. Yeah, it's a very risky profession, but also you can like fritter away someone's chi by just harmonizing a little bit here, harmonizing a little bit there, and not really giving a clear direction. It's risk no matter what you do, right? You could go into a different profession if you don't want to have any kind of risk. But this is the most valuable thing that a person has. Money is inconsequential. A whole bunch of rich people I know, they don't even care about their money if the health goes down, right? So they have their health in your hand. And so you have a lot of responsibility and there's risks in having that kind of responsibility. I just want to point out, since we're talking about the risk and speaking from experience, I've had good um, sessions and then I've had a couple of them go south. And those are all learning experiences because those happen in no matter what style you're treating. But I just do want to note for people who are like, oh, this sounds really fascinating. But now we've told you that it's really important to do well, to pay attention and to get the diagnosis right, that you know fairly quickly when things are not right. And you can turn that session around. There are ways in which and techniques that Toby teaches when you have done something and it was not quite exactly what you wanted. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of the system too. Like you said, it's poetic. It's beautiful, right? So if we put exactly the wrong thing in, since we have this counterbalancing concept, we can just take that out and put the exact right thing in. So this is sometimes the most valuable clinical information we get. We put a completely wrong treatment in, then we can clearly see that we have to do the other thing. Especially if we recognize quickly, then just a speck of harm's done but massive help is done too. And for this system, we monitor the face closely, very closely, because this is a little bit like for Western medicine, they've got pulse oximeter, blood pressure cup, whatever. But for us, we've got all the vasculature in the face is giving us instant feedback what's going on with the patient. Do you remember what this patient's face looks like? We noted it. You said he didn't have a lot of color. Ashen and pale. So I'm guessing that when things started going, then he had some color in his skin. Didn't it change that way? Yeah, but that's an important part for our case here. Again, we're just seeing this patient for the first time. And so we have an idea. I chose this case too because body type is so gross that that gives us a clear clinical way to do Say he's just like slightly lean or something like that. Then that's less pull for us to deal with this massive dryness on the inside. So what was the outcome with this case? How did it work? How did you do Stacey, I didn't just get a random case for you guys. I did a case that everything went well. Anyways, so I put these points in on the left side of the body. I was telling you before about the abdominal pain that immediately relieved. 
He also had the headaches immediately relieved. He pinked up. This is more important than the pain releasing. I just want to make sure what his system thinks of it. But he really pinked up beautifully. Against my advice, he stopped taking the Humira. And then he had a normal bowel movement for five days. So this is a pretty significant intervention for him with just the five needles. Excuse me, just the four needles. And to have that normal bowel movement for five days, this is a dramatic improvement for him. How long did you see him after that? Or was that it? Saw him one week later, and then his skin had changed. Remember, his skin before was slightly moist. And now, because we dried on the outside, this became slightly dry now, his skin. Still skeletal, right? He's gaining a little bit of weight, but he's still so lean. So this would take a long time to discuss, but I supplement the spleen for him in that case. Let's leave that aside. But anyways, it's hard. It's minimum to understand the psalm system is 16 hours just to understand the basics and then get ready to go. So we're just kind of skirting around that. I apologize but there's no way to like slightly talk about the system so you can really use it. You really have to use the system in its entirety. But anyways, this is a little taste for it. Okay, Stacy. Yeah, for sure. You're doing great. Thanks for saying that. Okay, so I supplement spleen for him. Again, this is four points all on the left side. This one, again, we don't have that consideration of the lung, but for the yin-yang consideration for males in the psalm system, we like to go on the left side if possible. So again, responded well to that. The abdominal pain come back a little bit after that. So that immediately relieved again with spleen. Then I saw him and he's just feeling great, pinked up, everything looking really good. So then this is the end of our case, this third case that I saw him. But in the meantime, between the second treatment and this third treatment that we saw, he got another calprotectin score because he's due every six months or three months that he does. And so his calprotectin score now is 628. So this is always helpful for us, right? If we get clinical feedback for the patients, obviously, I mean, this is such a dramatic change, right? He obviously noticed and things like this, but patients maybe love this more is the numbers change like that. So his calprotectin score was halved after just two treatments. Third treatment, I went back and supplemented lung again, just those exact same four points we talked about before on the left side of his body. And now he's doing great. It's basically resolved his problem. So again, I picked this case because it's especially helpful and then especially quantified with a calprotectin score. Yeah, I love Western medicine for its diagnostics because then we can actually, like you just did, show that what we do is actually quantifiable and it does work. So that's very exciting. Yeah, even more exciting the patient, normal bowel movement, no pain. And he went to a dance. He was so worried about going to this dance because of the diarrhea. So he was so happy he went to dance. He drank some milk. Advised him against him, but he drank some milk and everything went fine. So especially successful. But I think the factors for this, it was a clear presentation of lung deficiency. So it was really clear to supplement lung two times and do that. And everything just leaped forward. And the fact that he was 17, right, with so much good rejuvenation power in him, right, we just directed that properly and then leapt forward. That's a great case study. Thank you. I really enjoy Sam for, like you said, you can go to a weekend class, 16 hours, and get the very basics of it and then turn around and take it into clinic. It is something that's applicable and rarely do we have where you can just turn around and go to clinic and use something very quickly like this. So I definitely really enjoyed that. I also really enjoyed, it's just four needles. It's just four needles. Once you have a diagnosis, then you know what to do. So it's not overly time consuming, which is really, really handy in clinic too. So thank you so much for coming on. I know that it must be just an incredible challenge to explain everything that you have within one hour. But I really feel like even if, and we do this all the time, 
you're speaking a language that a new practitioner is just really trying to grab as we're talking because the concepts are still new or maybe actually they're better off than I am because I haven't forgotten everything yet. And they're like, yeah, I know that. I know that. Anyway, it's just when we do these case studies, I feel like the teachers are a little bit afraid that they're giving too much information and that the new practitioner is really drinking from a fire hose. And I really find that that's the way we learn. That's the way that we learned in school. Learning is uncomfortable. So having too much information is a little bit challenging, but this is a podcast, which is amazing. So we can go back and re-listen to the things until we get them. So thank you so much. I think that we did due diligence here. I feel like you covered everything, the basics of Sa'am, and this was a really great case. Once again, Toby teaches at ACCHS, which is the DOM program, but he can also be found multiple other places. Toby, do you have anything else that you want to say about the case? No, I think there's a lot of talking about that case. I just want to say again, just to reiterate for new practitioners, it gets better. Day by day, day by day. So before we go, you have a book coming out in less than three weeks. And I'm really excited because you sent me the transcript of it, the copy. And I thought you were going to send me a Sa'am book. And you sent me the book that I need in my waiting room, in my head. And so tell us a little bit about your book. This is the book I wanted to have in my waiting room for the last 20 years, right? It's just like a basic framework for patients as they interact with Chinese medicine. And 99% of them have no idea what they're doing, what they're actually interacting with. And then some people think they understand Chinese medicine, but usually it's wrong. So this is just a basic primer, like a concise, approachable way for our patients that are coming to see us to understand what it is that they're engaging with. 18 months ago, I went to a meditation retreat and I was helping out at it. It's all volunteers. Everyone comes together. And for whatever reason, it was all biotech people and me there. So everyone's talking about biotech and everyone's doing like really high-end things. So one of the biotech people too, at the very beginning, you know, we're just getting to know each other and they ask, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I practice Chinese medicine. And his arms immediately fold in front of him. And he gives me a little bit sideways glance. I was like, oh, okay. And so that's how we started. But at the end of 10 days, so many talks, we're working in the kitchen, doing a lot of stuff. At the end of the 10 days, that same biotech guy's like, wow, if I ever have any problem or anything like that, I'm going to really seek out some Chinese medicine to help me with that. So basically, that conversation I had, I've had that conversation 1,000 times with people. I just basically turned that into a book. Not basically, because I was recently hired by Western Medicine Clinic to do acupuncture. And it's sort of militant because I work with emergency responders. It's a very specific emergency responder clinic. And I'm having to write all of the content. And so I find it really, really telling that I just struggled with how to say what Chinese medicine is, what is happening in the body with the needles what its mechanism of action is, because you have to tell a different story, it feels like, to every different person standing in front of you. And you don't want to do the medicine in injustice and omit things just for the person in front of you, but you also want them to get it. I noticed that you addressed this at the very beginning of the book. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'll tell you how I organized the book and then maybe... That answers what you're hinting at, but I'm not sure. So I feel like I always tune how I'm going to 
talked about Chinese medicine to each person, right? And there's three different avenues that I use to address it with people. One is the historical record. So some people just love, oh, this is a formula from 1800 years ago, and millions and millions of people have taken this exact formula, and we're doing that, and they feel like so comfortable with the historical record. Or this is from a 2,100-year-old text, and we have this theory that I put needles on this side to address things on this. Some people just love that one. The other avenue I use is my own clinical experience. I tell people, oh, people with this exact problem that you had, I've seen this hundreds of times, I've helped them and things like that. And the third thing people really love is what's the latest research say? When you put an acupuncture needle into the body, what does that do the purinergic signaling system in the body? And so then we can we talk about that. So between those three things, usually people need a combination of those three things to kind of orient them. But some people really need the research, right? Especially being in the hospital base, then you got to talk about the nitric oxide effect of the needle. In the book, I talk about a Harvard researcher that has done things that figured out what actually does the anti-inflammatory part of the needle, what the needle does that makes anti-inflammatory thing. He actually found it, figured out that mechanism. So th that's fantastic, right? For in the Western standpoint, you'll have to do 99%. Oh, this is the latest research. And then, well, maybe let's say 98 and give yourself 1% for, oh, my clinical experience, I've done this. And maybe 1% for historically, we've been doing this for a long time or something like that. And so for the book, I tried to do basically one third, one third, one third, my clinical experience, the latest research and historical record. That's a perfect answer. And I'm super excited to have a couple copies of your book because one of them is going to go in that waiting room at the emergency responder health clinic. And then the other one's going in my clinic. What's the name of the book? I really had a whole bunch of funny titles that my wife rejected. So we ended up with a really nice, simple title. It's called An Introduction to Chinese Medicine, A Patient's Guide to Acupuncture, Herbal Medicine, Nutrition, and more. Perfect. And where can people find this? Probably not at your local bookstore, but you could check there first, but then Amazon. Okay, perfect. Anything else you want to share with the listeners before we go? Good luck, everybody. This is far and away the best profession. I wake up every morning so excited to be a Chinese medicine practitioner, wishing all of you the greatest success in this medicine. Good luck, everybody. Thanks, Toby. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate the time that it took for you to come on and all of the explanation and the mental and physical energy as well. So thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. And we'll chat soon. Bye for now. Bye, Stacey. Thanks so much. That's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And if you appreciate this podcast, it would be amazing if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great review. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then that's okay. No worries. Just skip it. <laughs>